With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge. And no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At lifestylesports.com. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast episode one of... I should stop calling it the bloodandmud.com podcast, really, because it's just the Blood and Mud podcast. It's not... The it website is, is nothing is really, now yeah. these days. Anyway. Yeah. Don't <laughs> <laughs> be down on yourself. Well, you know, I, I, I gave it a good so go for, for a decade, and now I'm, it's just a podcast now. So anyway... It did, it did feel like you were sort of limping onto that 10-year anniversary, and then you got there <laughs> yeah, and was 10 like, years, like done. fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a Blood and Mud podcast. I am Lee Calvert, the editor. Well, I was the editor of that website, but it's yeah. gone now. Josh, yeah. you've still got a website, haven't you? And who well, you? yeah. Uh, I'm Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com, which just is just about still a going concern, I believe. You can get in touch with this podcast on me at Blood and Mud. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is still BloodandMud.com. Yeah. And there's Lee at BloodandMud.com. And how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner at Rugby Shirt Watch, uh, RugbyShirtWatch.com. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Have you had a busy weekend? Uh, I did quite a busy weekend. Yeah. I, uh, I I went to watch some comedy in a tent and nearly died of heat exhaustion. <laughs> and uh, we're not dying through laughing. That's not a good sign, is it? No, it was very funny. It was just fucking hot. Um, and then I I just yeah I, I went to Penarth. If I'm honest. I had some liquid nitrogen. Oh, I saw that on Instagram. Cream. Yeah, Instagram had a yeah. nitrogen. Had some is, liquid is it nitrogen different? Nitrogen. Is it any different to normal? I tell cream? you what, it's bloody good stuff. Like, I don't know what it is about the liquid nitrogen thing that uh, that makes it taste so goddamn creamy. But uh, yeah, any if you're hearing Cardiff Science Cream in in one of the arcades there, can't remember which one. Quality shop. I think I've seen uh, that film. <laughs> no, that's yeah, no. Um, <laughs> How did you, yes, what, what did I do? I went to see Solo, is what I did. Oh, was it any good? I, I really it. enjoyed it. I know yeah, it's getting I, a bit I, of a panning, but it was just good fun. I've heard a lot of people say it's really good. It's just people are just fucking bored it's of it's having done, a Star Wars film every yeah, year. Yeah, every, every six months or so. But yeah, it was really yes. good. For, and, you know, I'm always up for lots of Chewbacca. Anything yeah, with lots of Chewbacca like in it'll, it'll do yeah. for me. Love me, that. Meanwhile, back at the rugby... Um, this pod is available on Acast. It's available on iTunes, Stroke Apple Podcast, but also available on Patreon to the lovely patrons. And thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you very much to those each guys. Yeah, every one of you who have signed up and continue to sign up. And I hope you enjoyed your special, exclusive rugby history episode this week. Indeed, because we certainly enjoyed making it. It did. I always love those. I particularly like because as it was a Welsh rugby one, I found it uh, very illuminating. Feeling all pumped up. 
I was, yeah, full of, you know, chip, more chippiness than ever, you know. <laughs> and you know, when you sign up for Patreon, you can do the two pound, two dollar Allied Brew Lounge, or you yes. can do the five dollar Allied Brew VIP okay. Super Area Lounge. Oh, hello, hello, yes. Well, the, the creme de la creme. We've had a few more people sign up this week. Oh, to wow. the to the creme de la creme VIP area. So I've got to give oh, a shout well out there. to Mela Shulton. Lewis Anderson, Phil Jones, George Warren, and Ian McGillip, who've all ponied up a bit more cash. Heroes. Then they need man. to, quite frankly. Yeah. They don't have to do that. So they're getting are... Yeah. All all they're getting is their name read out on a mildly popular rugby Which podcast. They can do if they get a decent shit good in. Let's be honest. They don't yeah. have to pay for that privilege. So yeah. it doesn't have to be a decent one. Some weeks I'm rushing, no. so I'll just take whatever's first no. I read. So shall we start as we always start to play spotted? Yes, let's do that. Before you do that, I, oh, I, sorry, I, I nearly thought I had the creme de la creme of player spotted. Oh, you're joking. In that I very nearly thought I saw Ali Brew in Penarth yesterday. But it wasn't Ali Brew. But it wasn't Ali Brew. <laughs> it was just Did another... Just, <laughs> you see, just a talk, going, Aled! Aled! <laughs> and then when you got that, it was just some, some blow. Yeah, it was just a tall, bald man. But from it, I was just like, wouldn't this be perfect now? If I'm in, I'm in Penarth, walking down the Esplanade <laughs> with some delicious science cream ice cream in my hand, and there, coming over the horizon next to a man dressed as a lobster, is Ali Brew. But no, it wasn't. Just Go back a step. Next to a man dressed as a lobster? Yeah, there was a man who was... Uh, I, I can only just... I mean, it was hot yesterday. We all know it was hot yesterday. It was, yeah, it's and really hot was all weekend, yeah. And he was dressed in a sort of giant lobster outfit and he was they had some sort of northern soul dj person going on and he was feeling the rhythm and that. he was feeling the groove uh, for, I love you said as if it's somehow related that you know lobsters always turn up well I, they seemed like soul nights, you know. he didn't deviate from outside where this music was playing and he was he was very much in the moment he was dancing like nobody was watching but he was a lobster so you know I yeah, I feel for him because I mowed my lawn, my two, my front and back lawn this weekend, and just Ooh, two, yeah, exactly. Two lawns over here, <laughs> and just walking backwards and forwards with the lawn mower, I was sweating <laughs> pints. So the idea of wearing a lobster suit would have been uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I assumed he was battered, but he might just have been suffering from mild heat stroke. That's true. And this, this, there was a really sad end to that tale. That I also I didn't see. took my poor dog to be deballed this weekend. Oh, bless him! It happens to the best of them. He, is. he took it. He took it well. He took it like a like it like a man. <laughs> Have they given him those plastic balls so that he's got something to lick? No, or he, is had, he just he became a, a, a dog with a lampshade on his head. Obviously, oh, bless, bless him. him. But he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Good. That is the most important thing. Anyway, that meanwhile back at the player spotted that was actually a player spotted. <laughs> oh yeah, we so, are tangenting like a motherfucker. Today. <laughs> it's, it's all this heat and excitement. It is. Jamie Heard got in touch on Twitter, and he said. Mm. This is going back. He said, whilst George North was at Scarlet's, I spotted him filling his Jaguar with petrol at Forest Park Tesco. It's, a, it's one of the worst Tescos. But he says, as an Osprey, I love this, the, 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 this sort of like really sort of chippy parochial anger. He says, as an Ospreys fan, I felt genuinely annoyed that he was using a Swansea petrol station and not one in Flanetley. <laughs> They don't have petrol stations in Tennessee. <laughs> they have pump carts to put on the railway line <laughs> and donkeys. That's all they have. But yeah, so yes. George North so that, 
making somebody the, angry yeah. and filling his yeah. car in the wrong petrol. Or filling up his petrol station on the wrong side of the fucking Get locker. Back to fucking Clenethley where you belong with your Jaguar. <laughs> oh, wonderfully banal. Fantastic. Ever. Shall we decide who we're going to sit next to down the clubhouse? We'd better add. Do you want to go first? I will go first. I must say that Len Bag's in tonight. Do you remember Len Bag? Oh, so yeah. So might, you might hear him shouting wankers in the background from time to time. We can only hope. Okay. Here's your so, choice. I'm, yeah, oh, I'm going first, me. as in you're, you're telling oh, me no, I'm you telling you. Oh, no, you crack on. You right. crack on. Here's your choices. You can sit next to Gummy Chris. Oh, instantly. Uh, what? Actually, let, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go with it. Gummy Chris. Plays hooker for Abercumboy Thirds. Yeah. And is so monikered because, as you can guess, he's got no teeth. Yeah. He's also, but because of that, and he, because of this brand he's got, he's quite obsessed with the whole gum thing. So he's always eating wine gums. Okay. His party trick is to drink glasses of Gloy gum. Do you remember Gloy gum you used to have when you were a kid? He also Dude. thinks it's hilarious to bite you with his gums randomly oh, if you're, no. if you're within his vicinity. So that's a I no. Was, <laughs> I mean, I, I was on board with the, like, I thought, you know, okay, he's not got any teeth. I'm from Aberdeer. I'm used to spending time with people who haven't got any teeth. But then I was like, particularly people from Abercombe Boy who haven't got any teeth. But then, you know, I thought, you know, wine gums. That's, that's a, you know, you, maybe he'll give you a wine gum. But the whole, I don't want to. Imagine be... him biting on your forearm, on your bare forearm with oh, no, his, gum, his gums. I don't want that. No. That's just unhygienic. So that's gummy, Chris. So, that, so let's see if this is any better. Yeah. Ho- second choice Hong Kong Kenny. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> His real name is Ken Edwards. Right. But he's called, he, he gets this name because he claims to be a black belt in Kung Fu. Right. However, it is well known he's only actually ever been to four lessons at Hereford Leisure Centre back in 1994. However, he keeps this going and he says yeah. that the Kung Fu has taught him meditation skills, which means he can visualize himself smoke, floating on a calm sea in a dinghy that he uses when he's sat in the club to stay calm. When like the stuff on the telly and things are winding him up. Okay. If you attempt any conversation with him, he responds with "fuck off, I'm on my boat." <laughs> That's Hong Kong Kenny. I mean, I mean, as a naturally antisocial person, I'm quite liking the thought of sitting next. To, I mean, because I'm not going to bother him. No, I don't want to have no, a chat you don't with speak him. To him, he's and happy if, on his and boat. If, and if he's not losing his fucking rag at the rugby, I mean, may as I will probably will be losing my rag at the rugby. Maybe I can learn some things from from Kenny. And also, I think I was taught history by him between the ages of 11 and 16. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, I'm definitely going with Hong Kong So, Kenny. Hong Kong Kenny, there you go. I'll take a yes. seat. Who am I sitting next Indeed. to? Indeed. What well, choices have I got? You, your, your first choice is Wilson Pumistone the fourth. Wilson um, Pumistone? As yes. In, <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. It's just his family name. What can All I right. tell you? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a gentle giant he may be, but people are starting to wonder if the six foot eight inch second row is taking his Lenny nickname a little bit far. Right. Like he started keeping rabbits in the changing room and talking to them like he's their friend. And the problem is, nobody can really work out if he's doing it to be funny and playing up to the whole of mice and men Lenny thing, or if they probably need to take and get him tested. Because he's actually genuinely not not a well man. Well, yeah, and in a cruel twist of irony, everybody's afraid of doing it because they're afraid he'll go a bit Curly's wife on them, you know? <laughs> so, right, yeah. so that's Wilson so Pumistone that's, that's Wilson, the fourth. Not, not an appealing offer, I'll be honest. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, well, you haven't heard number two yet. <laughs> number two is the fucker. 
Now, right. now, rumor has it that only the club secretary of Willie's Own Academicals RFC knows his real name, but to everyone else, he's just known as the fucker. Uh, he's been a fixture in the second row for the past two seasons, and while you can't deny the intimidation factor that his unrelenting physical style of play can bring to the opposition, it's just a shame that the fucker seems incapable of limiting himself to the other team. Get the call at the line wrong, kidney jab. Drop your bind at the scrum, that's a ball twist. And th- throw an intercept, well, he'll just spark you the fuck out. He's actually the only player in club history to have had his red card greeted with applause and celebration from his own teammates. That I, 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 I like the sound of him mainly because he reminds me of the stories that Mike Bubbins told on when he was on the pod, <laughs> talking about how he once punched his own hooker for for hooking the ball the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, with and, you, and may, Mike's maybe a lovely the... fella, so that there's no reason why the yeah. fucker can't be a nice fella in between all well, of this. Well, who's who's to say that the fucker's real name is not Mike Bubbins? You know, it could be, but it, <laughs> he wasn't a second rower. No, he wasn't. That's true. He's back rower. Fair enough. Yeah. So. Um, there you go. So who's going to be? Oh, it's got to be the fucker. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he might enough. punch me at some point or do something terrible. Well, but... you know, the worst things have happened to see him, they? It has, yeah. Well, then, what a weekend we've had. Yes. Hell a, of a weekend. What a weekend Bloody we've had. Hell. And as Fraser McVean got in touch, we're doing shit good later, but Fraser McVean got in touch and he said, good was the marvellousness of a near 24 hours of straight rugby on Saturday, Sunday. Some amazing games and lots of talking points. Yeah. Well, as if. We're going straight into what we learned. The first thing that I've got learned, no news this week, by the way. No, nothing of any import, anyway. No, unless you really care about Ian Evans being an assistant coach at the Dragons, it's been a quiet day. <laughs> or Eddie Jones getting into it with some South Africa fans, which I just don't care about. Um, yeah, the thing, the first thing that I learned this week, Test match rugby is just the fucking best, isn't it? Do you know what we've said this before, right? And we do this yeah. pod every week, uh-huh. and, and I'll be honest. Let's be honest, there are some weeks where you're just like, I'm not altogether yeah. that excited about what we have to talk about this week. No. we always. I always enjoy it once we start. But there, Absolutely. Are, some, there are some weeks where I'm just like, oh. But this week wasn't that at all. And that picks up mm. on your point that I agree with entirely. It was very exciting. It was, yeah. You watch, You could watch four, te- I watched four test matches on Saturday and every one of them was fantastic in totally different ways. Like, it's a reminder that no matter how much people talk about how much club rugby is getting better and how, you know, commentators in the fit of fucking emotion say, oh, you know, games or teams playing like a, a test level, they're not. Test rugby is a fucking other animal altogether. And, and yeah, it was just, oh, love it. There's something, it. People have a pop at rugby, don't they? There's, there's that, there's, there's a comedian once who said that, I thought about getting. He was a British comedian. He said, "I thought about getting into rugby. Then I realised that four of the teams that that, that half of the teams that play it are us." <laughs> and, but it was fair enough. But actually, there's something in that. And Tony Collins mentioned it on the Wales portraying history and about talking about the Six Nations this week. Mm. There's something incredibly brilliant about playing the same teams quite regularly, every virtually every year. Yeah. Even the Southern Hemisphere teams, they come round once a year. It's a rivalry that yeah. continues and continues. And we can all make a point about getting more second-tier team nations involved and all that, but just leaving that aside for a minute, being able to keep that rivalry going year upon year upon year for like a century yeah, is amazing. Well, and it says, you know, it, it's those rivalries that that rugby is built on and, rugby, and that make rugby so exciting. Like, you know, by far the game that, we're probably going to talk about the least 
and certainly the game that I gave the least of a shit about this weekend, and sorry, Scotland fans, it was Scotland-Canada because it wasn't one of those games. Yes. And I'm sure as a Scotland fan, you know, you'd watch, you'd watch it and you'd be in- interested in how the players went and how everything, you know, shook out with this vaguely experimental sort of lineup that they tried out and all that good stuff. But it's not fucking England, South Africa. It's not Ireland, Australia. You know, it's it's just not. You know, and those are you know those. And we have lots of Scottish listeners who were into were, were yeah. very grateful for. But yeah, I wasn't up at two o'clock in the morning watching this, and I'm sure that as I'm no. sure you guys were, and it no. was important. And when, to it, you guys. and when it comes to them playing Argentina, that's kind of a different thing because you know yeah, it's not like absolutely. this is this exclusive club because Argentina have properly sort of forced their way into that. You know, it's still not at the level of you know South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, etc. But Argentina are one of the teams that have sort of started to force themselves into that conversation as being a bit of a rivalry particularly when they're at home and it's yeah when and it comes around to scotland playing argentina i'm sure we'll all be a lot more excited about it and i'm really keen well, on according to all reports what we have learned is that chris harris can play international rugby against canada good that is struggles in the six thing. nations yeah <laughs> but he's done well against comes, canada yeah when it comes to a team coached by kingsley jones he's absolutely fine <laughs> <laughs> now that's damning with some fake praise right there ladies oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, Go on, then. What, what, anyway, what are we going to yes. talk about first? Yeah. Uh, well, Ireland, if we're talking about South Africa, England, which I think is probably the game of the weekend and one of the fucking games of the season, one of the games of ever, um, it was a lot, much more than rugby as well as everything else. You know, like, I, I think we all knew kind of intellectually that Sia Kolosi being the first black captain of the Springboks was like a significant moment for the sport and South Africa in general. And we'd read all the think pieces and blah, 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 blah. I don't think I appreciated quite what a massive game-changing moment it would feel like when he walked out at the head of the Springbok mm. team and the electricity and the atmosphere in that stadium. Like, Did you, you see that first it. tribal lad, though, before that? Oh, oh yeah, he was massive. Uh, you see him? He was huge. Get him signed like, up, somebody. God, <laughs> why is he word. not starting on the tired? Fucking <laughs> hell. Um, yeah, and I honestly think that the occasion got to South Africa a bit for the first half hour because they were. Well, something not got to the them. It wasn't the occasion; it was something else. But yeah, we'll come on to that probably. Well, yeah, but uh, it, you know, they they definitely you know England started very well, and South Africa just looked really passive, as if they kind of they got so worked up with the significance off the field of what it meant for a mm. black guy to captain South Africa that they kind of didn't really... And how well he fucking played, by the way. Because it would have been good. completely understandable if he had just fucking fallen apart, actually. Absolutely. Nothing in the history of seeing him play suggests that he would fall apart because he is no quite the he's... player. But yeah, even it's even greater testament to his talent and his temperament yeah. that he might as well be together. He's, one, he's going to be an exceptionally good... You know, even if he's back to not captaining them once, what's his face is, is back from injury, it he's going to be a, an exemplary player for the Springboks. He really is. And and the, that Springbok team felt like a, you know, for all the talk of quotas, for all the talk of all that stuff, like Razzy Erasmus picked a really good team that mm. felt representative of South Africa as a, you know. Yeah, and even with the European players back, it was still a yeah. representative team. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, all good stuff. Anyway, 
other thing I learned, Billy Vunapola doesn't fix everything, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't fix everything. And he, he, you know, whisper it, he doesn't look quite fit, does he? <laughs> he looks very far off full fitness, if I'm totally honest with you. Um, Did you see Will yeah. Greenwood talking about Billy Vunapola before the game with a video that I posted? Billy's back. Billy's back. Oh, God. I can't work out whether... I just, well, I just can't work it out. Him as, I, I he actually was. He, he was a bit overexcited when he first came in. Then he got quite, yeah. Then he got very good. And now him and Scott seem to be becoming caricatures of something that they were once good so. at. It's the, really less rugby, the less rugby Sky has, the more the personalities that are paid by Sky to talk about rugby seemingly feel the need to... I don't know. Are they setting themselves up for like after dinner speaking roles or like? I don't think they struggle for work. Are they, are they trying I mean, to Scott's get on? Scott's got the health lottery, hasn't he? Yeah. Are they trying to get? Which on I still don't problem? understand. I wish. I wish they'd let Scott out of that fucking van. Just stop see, it. Stop I've, sending him to the darts. He's I've, a rugby um, player. The thing is, I feel the same way as you and get frustrated. But then again, you know, he may enjoy it. It might be something he's into, but I'm sure they can. I do, yeah, because being this sort of like clown prince of former rugby players is not really a. It's it's beneath the players. I wish you'd just kind of say, no, I'm not fucking doing that. I want to do some analysis, like proper stuff. Yeah, the thing that Johnny Wilkinson has apparently said when Sky got him in for a season and then he lost all the rugby and he was like, well, fuck, am I coming back to mug around with you bastards? I'm going to go off and launch a fucking. (laughs) kombucha drink or whatever the fuck it is he's done this week has he um he has yeah um yeah you know are Where they trying to we? get like we started talking about Billy um, Polar. Uh, yes uh he doesn't look fit he uh, also and it's it's kind of worrying for england that so much of the talk in the build-up was billy's gonna fix everything you know billy will come back and all of a things sudden, better than billy what having a second rower on the bench that'll fix things better than fucking having billy Polar back <laughs> What are you on about? Brad Shields as a hundred percent. He did all right, actually. He did it's fine, just bizarre. But he's still not a second row. Yeah, it was just. Well, yeah. So was... what I learned this weekend was South Africa clearly have some bloody minerals. Oh yeah. Because to go, oh, yeah. you can. I mean, a lot of the focus of the chat, and we'll probably, I will definitely come on to this at some point, was <laughs> was was England's England's deficiencies. And not enough yes. giving credit to the fact that going 21 points down, this South Africa team of the past yeah. three years, going 21 points down could easily, it could have gone very, very, very badly. And it wasn't a perfect performance by any means, but actually oh, there's some no. minerals in there for them. Fair play. And it, and it was just, it was, a, it was a, a performance based on, you know, it shouldn't have happened. It should not have fucking happened. Like, there was... You know, you get double figure, you double digit leads in a test match. Mm. That should be a mountain to climb. If you're talking, you know, it's inexcusable 20... losing a yeah. 21 point lead. No, leaving that aside for yeah. a minute, but yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's inexcusable from an England point of view, 100%. But to sort of even and the speed with which they did it, you know, that England came out of the blocks like an absolute fucking whirling dervish and then. And you could you thought after twenty minutes, well, this one is going to be an absolute fucking hammering, hmm. and you know the Razzie Erasmus era is getting off to the worst possible start. Yada yada, you know, you were writing the headlines in your head, and 
they just took like, the speed with which they turned it around to be in the somehow to be 21 not just 21 points down in a test match to be 21 points down after 20 odd minutes mm. and to somehow be in the lead at half time that's fucking out ridiculous and has Paul was, Gustard I, stopped trying do you think yeah I'm I'm not sure Paul Gust I'm not sure he's ever presided over a team that's conceded 105 points in two games before. A lot of it in the outside channels. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing, wasn't it? Like both of South Africa's debutant wingers scored. Mm. Well, and I think it was Ben Coles on on Twitter earlier so <laughs> the last time that two wings for the same side scored on a debut for a tier 1 nation. Um, the wingers, rather, uh, on the same side scored in a debut in a Tier 1 test yeah. before last week hmm. was 1955. Good then Lord, you wouldn't both, have thought that, would you? But then both of the debutant wingers for South Africa against Wales last week scored, and both of the debutant wingers for South Africa against England scored. It's fuck it, like, I love statistical Brilliant. Like that. Now, that's what you want. That's the kind of stat I like. Never mind how many metres you carry. Fucking pointless. Forget about it. But that's yeah, the kind of stat I, I want, like. I want mad shit that hasn't happened for fucking 60 years, then it happens two in a week. I did Amazing. like the look of both of them as well. It wasn't quite lucky. And Cozy's got good feet. Yeah. And Diamante well, is good. Yeah, well, I like the thing. I like the look of the two ones that played last week for Wales against Wales as well. South Africa have got four really good-looking wingers there. And, you know, it's when you combine it with I mean honestly I hope that the SAIU sends a nice thank you basket to Premiership Rugby for dramatically improving the form slash general ability of two of the key architects of that Springbok comeback namely of course Faf de Klerk and Vili Leroux because Faf de Klerk wasn't that good before he went to sale last year and Willie Leroux was in an absolute fucking state of existential hell until about halfway through this season, and then all of a sudden has looked incredible again. It's so, said, if it doesn't matter how much you pay for somebody, when you drop them into another country and say, right, just be as good as you were last week, it's not, you know, it is quite a bit to get used to. But, but he also sort of, showed his class by turning it around. Yeah, and they've and they've both also clearly now got a a really keen understanding of the way the English play rugby. Yeah, and true. The, and, you know, they un, they understand they've played against all these players for a season. So they know their tendencies and they know the way that they will react in certain situations. And the pair of them were just, I mean, fact, the clerk in particular was just, it was remarkable. He had the absolutely in, in a sort of, in a sense of, you know, Michael Jordan having a ball on a string, fact, the clerk had the entire England team, but particularly Maro Toji on oh, a string. Was, I mean, I was frustrated, I, but I couldn't help but I laugh. I laughed out fucking, I, I laughed a hearty, long belly laugh. It was because... the smallest dummy you've ever seen. Yeah, he just basically and... slightly turned his shoulders as if he was going to go, didn't he? Yeah, and, then... and he literally went through him as if he was being pelled by the seventeen seventeen from Houston. It was <laughs> the fact that he just face planted as well. It was. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't even that he didn't. He overran it. He just threw himself on the floor and sort of slid like watched, a kind um, of reverse loser. I watched a nature documentary once and. Seals when they come up for air in a breathing hole. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yes. They go underneath and they start to float upwards. And once they start to float upwards, they can't change direction. No, I don't know why, but once they start floating upwards, they can't swim off again. And polar bears just sit there. And you imagine this sort of slow motion thing when it just starts floating upwards going, because I'm going to have a nice breathe now. 
Oh, fucking yeah. hell, there's a polar bear there. I'm going to fucking oh. die now. Christ almighty. <laughs> and and, and um, I, I imagine that's what he told you, like, as he was going down, going, oh, fucking yeah. hell, he's not picked the ball up. I'm going to land on my face now, now yeah. in front of everybody. I'm going to slide for ages as well, inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, how Marrow told you he was like a seal coming up for air. Yes. I mean, he was sort of also kind of like when one of those like big sea lions just goes across the ice. <laughs> yes. it, it was. <laughs> there was no. There wasn't a great deal of friction involved. It felt. It do you was mean a walrus of... when you say a big sea lion, or do you actually genuinely mean a big sea lion? Uh, I did mean a walrus. I don't know why I said a big sea lion. When I was a child, big I wanted fucking to... sea lion yeah. things. You mean a walrus? When I, yeah. when I was a child, I wanted to be a marine biologist. It's a fucking good job. I didn't. Oh, those starry be... dreams in Aberdare as a child. Oh, eh? tell me about it. Right, what else have we got that I'm doing this weekend? Um, England had three decision-makers in the backs, didn't they? Yes. In Ford, Farrell yes. and Slade, and not there a single go. fucking one of them, when we were 20 points up, could make anything like a decision to put the game yeah. under some modicum of control. No, particularly Owen Farrell there, who, let's be honest... It's supposed to be Mr. Cool Head Under Pressure and also Mr. Do the fucking sensible easy thing. And why the fuck he wasn't just kicking to the corners? He didn't actually play that badly. It's just that no, he, he didn't. It's just but, well, he didn't play badly at all, in fact. But it's a yeah, it's just his decision making was just all over the place. Yeah, it's almost and, like he's and, using all of his like brain and mental power to stop himself having a full on purple face meltdown every minute and that just takes up too much mental energy yeah. to make decisions yeah. I mean what do we think of Mike Brown as well because I enjoyed everybody going ah <laughs> when he scored and fair play it was a good finish fucking terrible attempt at some tackling but a good finish showed real strength nothing was as terrible an attempt at tackling as Maxime Medard's efforts on Laumapping that was appalling. I'll come on to that again later, but that was... We will come on to that. Staggering in how bad it was. It was unbelievably bad. But, yeah, he scored a try, but the reason that people had a problem... Good bit of strength. But the reason people had a problem with Mike Brown playing on the wing is not because Mike Brown doesn't know where the try line is. Mike Brown's always known where the fucking try line is. The issue with Mike Brown on playing on the wing is, is he quick enough to play wing at test level? Not just running no. forward, but... <laughs> On defence no, as well. And the answer to that, emphatically, judging by the weekend, is fucking, of course he's not. It was a decent, strong That's finish, what... but it's no more decent or stronger finish than Jack Noel would have done. No, and you know. the difference is that Jack Noel wouldn't have got fucking burned by those wide-channel attacks and quite I, you know, as easily I, as Mike Brown did. He tried way, his fucking best. I, don't, I do feel sorry for him, actually, because you can't... I've got no pace, so mm. asking me to, you know... It'd be like asking Matt Dawson to have hair. You can't yeah. do it. He hasn't got any. There's nothing he can do about it. So it's kind of... It's like exa- asking Neil Francis to have a non-terrible opinion. <laughs> you know. Okay. We'll come on to that as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. But it's... um, Yeah, so actually I do feel sorry for him because it's a hiding to nothing. Because he's never going to say no, is he? And, he'll, and he does try He does try his bollocks Absolutely. off. And he yeah. loves... This is England not Mike Brown's he wants fault. To win. No. So if you're going to say, well, Elliot Daly's the fullback now, which is obviously what he's moving towards, it seems, slowly. And that's fine, because Daly does seem like he offers something from fullback. Yeah. But I'm not sure it's defending, by the way. I, um, I, don't, know what he was, I don't know what he was trying to do there. 
Why would Bo? What he was di- he was diving. This is when the ball went into the Ingol area. He was diving yeah, yeah. towards the ball and falling over, and then just sort of and did a both of roll his, over it. But both of his arm hands were moving upwards past the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what I, I, were you trying to punch it touching goal, which doesn't make any sense anyway? Yeah, yeah. which is a penalty try. Exactly. exactly. Well so why were both your hands moving downwards? It's almost like he forgot where he was on the pitch. I did that in a in a semi final once. I forgot where I was on the pitch. And nearly maybe. touched the ball down over the 22, but I didn't do it. But it... Maybe he was attempting some sort of Cirque du Soleil-esque gymnastic thing where, you know, he runs at the ball, does a forward roll over it, and then the winger comes in and dabs it down and everyone goes, And I said Ooh. on Twitter, what's he trying to do there? And and somebody, very very friendly, said so maybe he was trying to, you know, counter-attack. I was like, he was behind his own line and nearly lying down. What was he trying yeah. to <laughs> I mean, I'm all for back. I'm all for players who've got the pace to back themselves from anywhere, but that was stretching the boundaries. I'm assuming he was trying to scoop it up with both hands, pull it into his chest, and fall on it. Yeah, which seems like too many just... movements. Yeah, he's already thought three steps too far there. What he should have done is have his hands the other way around and push it on the floor, and then that doesn't happen. It's like trying to, you know, yeah, to to open a door, you have to reach out and pull the handle. But no, I'll just spin round three times and then do it. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Maybe it's like one of the, you know, those OCD people who have to turn the light on and off 17 times before they can leave a room or whatever. Maybe he can't dab a ball down in the in goal like a normal human being. Maybe he's got to like scoop it up in his hands and do a forward roll and then he can dab it down. I miss people putting the ball down one handed. I know. Yeah. Because how many times did you actually see them drop it? Never. I don't have to do anything. James Davis put it down one handed on the weekend. Loved it. Yeah. Of course, well, of course he did. Whereas now they're all coached now to fall on the ball, aren't they? It's like, well, one, yeah. it looks a bit showboaty, but there's, Sean, Sean Edwards, when he played the league, was a master of running in and then just whipping the ball down with one hand, yeah. straight down. I love that shit. While still as running full as, pace, you know. As long as you're putting it down with enough force, even if you drop it, chances are that it's not going to come away <laughs> from your hand quick enough for anyone to notice before you smack the thing down. But I do miss uh, that. I know it's a terrible old man nostalgia thing, but I do me miss too. that whipping the ball down with one hand. Yeah. Anyway, so what, what was he talking about then? Decision making. Uh, we were talking about Elliot Daly. Elliot Daly. Yeah, making. Mike Brown wing. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. If he, it's it's almost weird with with it. This is why I feel sorry for the players really because Eddie Jones is making stupid fucking decisions. Yeah. And he's made, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Piers. I said it last week. Piers fucking Francis. If he is an international rugby player. Then I am the lead singer of the Supremes. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> no, he doesn't make sense. Like, it genuinely, I don't understand. Like, I could understand what he sees in Brad Shields, demonstrably. Absolutely. I think Brad Sh- yes. I think Brad Shields is going to be a very good player for England. Looks pretty handy when he came on. Um, yeah. Amusingly, I still don't think he's going to be a good seven for England. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're past Tom the point. Tom Coyle looks all right. He did, without actually looking like a proper seven yet. Like, you know, doing anything at the breakdown. Anyway, um, yeah, I just don't see... But that's the English way. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see what he offers. Like, genuinely, I am coming up very short about that. Don't get it about Piers Francis at all. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. 
Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits, style with benefits, sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports at lifestylesports.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. No, it's it's just, no, don't get it. No. <laughs> Like it, it doesn't make any. I sense. remember when I used to pl- to switch to football for a minute. When I used to play Championship Manager on the PC, have you ever mm-hmm. played that game? And lots of people listening probably do. You were always really attracted to people with foreign names when you were transferring them. So if you had a choice well, between sort yeah. of buying like Mickey Jones and mm-hmm. Francesco della Fuente della Huila or whatever, yes, you go, exactly. oh, he sounds better. He sounds better. Like. And you'd ask yeah. and you'd ask your computer coach guy, what do you think of him? And he'd go, he's not good enough. And he'd say, I'm signing him anyway. And I think yeah. that's the super rugby thing with Piers Francis, isn't it? There's no way he's better yeah. than Lazowski. There's no way he's better than something no, like that. And and yet really he is. not better. He's really not better than Lazowski, <laughs> particularly at 13. Holy shit. But here we are. Here we are. Honestly, Eddie is at the point now where his whole fucking thing is on a bloody knife edge. We're a year out from the World Cup and when everything should be sort of building to a nice boil and, you know, all the ingredients should be melding, you know, it should be starting to smell good. I've taken this food analogy too far. (laughs) Um, But no, you know, it should all be, you know, coming together by now. And instead, the wheels seem to be coming off at a fucking rate of knots. It makes me feel... Much better. Weirdly comforted. Because yeah. I think, I, you know, since 2003, having a malaise in the run-up to a World Cup is what makes me feel, it makes me proud to be English. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck your Brexit. That's true yeah. patriotism right there. Never mind free um, Tommy Robinson. That's what he's been marching through the streets of London about. Yeah. But honestly, like, with every... and all, the, the worrying sort of subtext from the whole thing is that, like, with each England defeat, it honestly does feel like a proper war between the RFU and Premiership Rugby is getting more and more likely. Like, honestly, the crowd had barely left the stadium before certain corners were claiming that they lost because Premiership clubs aren't getting players in the right condition for Test Rugby. And that's why Eddie Jones has to push them so hard in training. And that argument... Well, it might not be totally off the mark. There might, you know, there might be an issue with English clubs and conditioning and the way that and the style that they play compared to Super Rugby teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it doesn't seem like Faf de Klerk's conditioning was a problem, does it? It doesn't. Or Villy Larousse, for that matter. The busiest fucker going. Yeah, uh, England's problems are all about, about more than conditioning, and anybody with a bit of sense knows that. But instead, it just reverts to fucking. 
the two sides taking pops at one another through the press and you know they they need to start working together to sort it out instead of throwing blame around but it just doesn't feel like we're anywhere near that happening at the moment one thing that i learned this weekend again i had it certainly mm. reinforced again is that johnny may should not be allowed in midfield <laughs> under any circumstances <laughs> it's like somebody puts a scalpel in the hand of a baboon and throws it into an operating theater and then hoping that it'll do something productive However, Johnny May on the wing. Oh yeah. As I yeah, as I yeah. will come to in my good later. Yes. Running yes. in a straight line towards the try line, no problem. Yeah. In midfield, having to actually think or do anything resembling human like cognizance, no. Well, yeah, you I mean he wasn't the worst decision maker in that back line on Saturday. But it wasn't exactly a, a, a cast of impeccable quality all around him either so yeah it it's it's time to give up with henry slade i think by the way oh well fucking hell that was in my he was in my shits but let's talk about him now like it's going to be much harder for him to be the anointed future of england's midfield if he keeps in shitting the bed quite so enthusiastically every time he's a really strange shape i can't get on with it bizarre shape truly odd um, it's like almost every, like every time he does something good, he follows it up with a mistake. And you can't do that at this level. And he's got all the fucking talent in the world, but no, it's just not working, is it? I think Wazowski's got to come in at 13 next week, basically. <laughs> I think so. And maybe have something. a second rower on the bench, you know, something like that. Radical idea, but I don't think it'll catch on. I mean, Springboks are putting a 37-year-old man on the bench just to take the piss. So, Should we let's... talk about um, Highland Australia or do you want to do Wales next? We, we should. Let's talk about Ireland because, you know, I learned that Ireland are going to need more than brawn at the breakdown to win a World Cup. Oh, yeah. Lots of moaning, like... going back to Neil Francis, yes, about illegal about... turnovers. Yeah. Misses the point that... <laughs> what a turnover is. Well, yeah, there's that and also the yeah. fact that even if they were illegal... That sometimes happens. That the ref allows this shit to happen. And it actually happens quite regularly. So if you've yeah. not got a way of dealing with that, then stop fucking moaning. Fucking problem. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest with you, Ireland have dominated the breakdown this year against pretty much every team they face. Wankers. Yeah. But they but they've done that primarily as a result of like power and physicality in the contact area and just fucking smashing people off the ball and being ridiculously physical with it not necessarily through what you'd call the most perfect technique and reading of the game and all those sort of arts of the open side, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then when you come across something like the two-headed, you know... Creative Hydra. Bucktangle of Pocock and Hooper, physicality will get you a long way, but when you come up against a truly elite breakdown specialist, you can hit that ruck as hard as you fucking like. And you are not shifting David Pocock. No. Not so, even... Who himself, I must say, absolute game... I know I've got a massive... Ludicrous. Match on it, I've got it written down here. Pocock is a ludicrous player. Unbelievable. Like, instantly, comes back into Test Rugby, instantly best seven in the world again. Done. Even with Don't a six on his back. It's incredible. Even with a six <laughs> on his back. Best open side flanker in the world. Like, ah. When the anthems were they, on Saturday, my daughter was sat next to me. He was 14. Mm-hmm. And it panned across, it panned past Michael Hooper. And she went, has he got something wrong with his face? 
<laughs> yeah. Well. No, he just looks like an idiot farmhand, love. But he's a... <laughs> yeah, so there's that. And yeah, they, yeah. Need to, they need to have a plan B. The weird thing was that point you made about the press thing with Ireland. I actually started writing a tweet, probably round about, just before Australia scored that, that first try against a run of play. Mm-hmm. Started writing a tweet saying, Ireland are starting to do that pressing in all areas thing that they do. Yeah. This doesn't look like this is going to go well. Then yeah. Australia scored that try. I'm thinking, thank God they scored that before I got finished typing because <laughs> everything fucking changed with that try. Yeah. And it was Absolutely only seven points. It didn't take the game away from Ireland. But no. Either Australia just seemed to spark into life or Ireland just seemed to go, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Well, Pocock was just like, Pocock might not be the captain of the Wallabies anymore, but like, he is a fucking game winner and he is the absolute heartbeat of that team. And you could see he played well up to then, but like getting that try, it was just like he grew an extra couple of inches and put on an extra couple of stone and was just everywhere. Like their defence, you compare their defence with him yesterday to without him last year. I know they beat the All Blacks last year, but fucking hell. Their scramble defence actually all game was unbelievable. Even when Ireland got behind the line, got through their line, the speed at which they got back in position and then left Ireland with not much choice but to do that sort of, you know, pressing game that they did. Yeah. And, um, and I forgot the point I was going to make then. It was a bit of a calculated gamble from Joe Smith, though, wasn't it? Because you know that's that the point I was much... going to make about selection. If that's what you're coming yeah, on to, it was, it was basically a first choice Wallaby team, and yeah, and he's gone for blooding about six or seven players who perhaps are yeah. first choice and stuff like that. Yeah, and and you know it's a big ask to drop any player into an away test in the Southern Hemisphere. These but... players have got to get game, meaningful game time somewhere, haven't yeah. they? And there's no point in playing them at home in the autumn against Samoa or something. You know, exactly. they, they'll get a better exposure playing for Leinster in the European Cup, you know. It's... Yeah, 100%. And it's entirely correct. Like, if Joe Schmidt wins this series 2-1, or they lose it 2-1, or whatever, if mm. in 12 months' time he can be going into the World Cup with a squad of players where even the reserves have played meaningful minutes against a big Southern Hemisphere team away from home and understand the psychological and physical pressure that that sort of environment brings, then he won't give a fuck that they lost, really. You know, it's... it's As much as I'm sure he would have liked to have sort of done the England thing and won 3-0 down here, he's bigger picture in this. Yeah, and you I know, think it's and I've been guilty of sort of looking back at the England thing and going, oh, maybe it wasn't as good as it was. It was because it's bloody hard to go to Australia and win three nil. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, this Australian team are well. Certainly, you never know with fucking Australia, but on evidence of this weekend, this Australia team are a much more solid proposition than the team that England beat two years ago. Yeah, they just look more together. Paul Williams tweeted at one point during the game, Curtly Beale is playing second, first, second and third receiver all at once somehow. And it yeah. was, he was remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And and it's, yeah, he was going to be another of my goods, but fuck it, let's talk about him oh, now. Yeah, like, sorry. He brings something, like if you're going to stick a functional sort of, you know, let's be honest about Bird of Foley here. Hmm. 
he's a functional 10. You know, he's oh, the, Bernard. The, he's, <laughs> he's the wallaby down bigger. Let's be honest. Yes. He does his job. He kicks his goals. He inspires great confidence sometimes and great derision at others. But you put a player like Beal outside him at 12 and that's exactly what you need. You know, he's got such a running threat and such a passing threat and such a kicking threat. You know, he's everywhere and he was everywhere. And when Beal's on one, you forget how fucking good he is. You know, because yeah. he can be so up and down, you forget that when he's up, fucking hell. I reckon he's good. got a Samson thing going on. Now he's got that mullet back, the back mullet. <laughs> it seems to be working. It seems to be a lot better. That was always, you know, that was peak Beal. So. But he's just, he's just, he's like, so languid and wonderful to watch when he's in, it was in that kind of form, isn't he? That like he has this kind of effortless searing pace and movement about him, not searing pace, but his pace and movement and the way he just holds the ball and moves it on. It's like kind of like like Zidane in football, you know. He has this yeah. kind of extra couple makes, of seconds to. He makes the hard things look easy, yes. and he looks like he's got time. And yeah, it's yes, it was it's, uh, quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, now, another thing I've learned this week as I was watching this game is that no matter how much I try, I can't leave the TMO thing alone. Oh, fucking hell. Now, yeah, well, given everything that's been going on, here goes, right? I'm revving up now. Given everything mm-hmm. that's been going on, I didn't particularly want Israel Falau to score a kind of heroic match nope. try nope. either, to be honest. But nope. the institutionalising of the fucking teacher's pet smart-ass grassing that the TMO has become is getting absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Because it, yeah. it felt like about 20 minutes had gone past before we started looking at somebody tackling <laughs> yeah, somebody off the ball abs. about yeah, 15 no, minutes before that yeah, had no had impact no on the bearing. fucking no game bearing whatsoever. At all. And to be honest with you, it wasn't the only thing. CJ Standers chalked off effort. That wasn't. Oh. That was. That was. That was TMO semantics changing the result of a game again. I'd love to see how they are actually assessed because I'm pretty sure they're being rewarded for this stuff. The whole system is creating rewards for the wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like rerunning the Brexit referendum because somebody jumped the queue at the polling station in 1983 <laughs> at the general election. It's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It's 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 a solution. It's a solution to a problem that didn't particularly exist that has created a a fucking cacophony of other problems. I mean, the fact that we're operating in a world where a try gets chalked off because either the ref didn't ask the right question and so, therefore, a try gets chalked off or a try gets chalked off for, you know, something happening in in an adjacent county in 1974... (laughs) And yet, at the same time, you then look at that All Blacks France game, and you oh. think, "What the fucking hell are they watching?" It's like, <laughs> stop fucking looking at off the ball fucking handbags and start looking at players getting their fucking skulls caved in. Radical idea, but apparently no. Uh, or you know, look out for the things that you're supposedly banging on about how fucking important it is. Because I don't want to be all like World Rugby wants the All Blacks to win, blah, 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 because it's bollocks. It's no, that's nonsense, Hall, yeah. Tinfoil hat nonsense. However, the lack of any kind of action for 
But it was two very serious incidents of clear fucking red card head contact. And particularly the Remy Grosso one, because fucking hell, that's sickening. And to not cite either of them either. And he got a double skull fracture there. Yeah. And because both players came in with leading with the shoulder, swinging their arms at different sides of his head. And yet World Rugby has just, well, the citing commissioner hasn't cited either of them. And that's that, the weird thing. I don't understand referees, fucking, you know, yeah. in, in the middle of it all. But when the. And even, you know, I don't give TMO much of the benefit of the doubt because they should catch it and know it. But if those two, that's what the citing commissioner is there for. It's to miss, it's to, you know, it's to catch these things that slip through the net. And fucking hell, if that. Is someone going to have to die before. This, because you know, so let's I, be I honest. I don't do mean to laugh, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> no, well, it's, it's it's absurd. But we're you know, somebody got a fucking double skull fracture. It is difficult two... just to play the other side of it for a minute. The, the, there's a whole issue about is it somebody's fault if yeah. the tackled player or the attacking player brings their head into the plane of you know where the <laughs> I, shoulders I, and I the arms are. It'd be a bit like in baseball, somebody putting their head right above the plate and then saying, <laughs> yeah. you hit me in the head with the ball. That's well out of yeah. order. So no, I don't know. I do it's, it's, and I'm not trying to say these things shouldn't be punished, but I'm saying it's hard to get that. What do you, What's a tackle player not lead with the shoulder, right? I'm not talking about this incident. I'm talking about yeah. generally. You know, flying in with just your shoulder at any height is a no-no yeah. now and should be yeah. punished severely. You know, wherever it hits, really, is that that's a technical yeah. problem that needs to stop. But there's a lot of them where it is actually something that looks like a tackle. And the, you know, if you if you if you're six foot tall and you stoop your head, I've always made this point before about when you the number of times when you're on your phone and you go to press something, and mm. then the screen loads and moves and you end up pressing the wrong thing. Yeah, and that's your thumb traveling. Yeah what, 10 millimetres? Imagine <laughs> running full pelt and trying to time this stuff right. And I'm not I'm not an apologist for rough play, and I'm also not a games-gone-soft guy at all. But I don't know how you referee it fairly. Or not fairly, well, but I think get the balance right. I don't know. I, I can't think is, of the right thing know, to say. They're try- you can say, you know, it, it should, you know, Grosso's, what, six foot two? Hmm. At no point, you know, say like four inches below or five inches below his head is, you know, the nipple. Well, let's just call it a foot below his head is the nipple. Yeah, okay. Uh, 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 No, you know, realistically, no rugby player should be aiming for to tackle somebody at five foot off the ground. Really? No, not really. And that's that's not what you know. The whole point you can of coming and wrap the things... ball as a second man, I suppose, at that height. But yeah. Not, not full tackle. Yeah. No. And and then no. This is the whole thing that World Rugby is trying to go is trying to get the point of impact lower. You know, it wants it to be in the solar plexus. But if where you bring the point of supposed... impact lower, then the attacking player basically tries to ducks their head down to try and shoulder. You know, to get to to get the sh- to drop the shoulder yeah. in. Yeah. Is it still the tackler's fault then? No, and I think there needs to be a certain degree of sympathy for it. But rugby incident, as they say, and all that. Rugby incident, indeed. But I think in this case, particularly, fucking hell, there's... No, I mean, he, he was leading full pace with the shoulder, like the lad in yeah. the under-20s. It was There's no yeah. excuse for it. And, and, you know, we do have to... It's, it's not 
you know, it might not be deliberate, but intent matters not a fucking rec- job. No, it's a reckless thing. It's yeah. reckless. If you're running uh, full pelt with just your shoulder and not your arms, then it's yeah. reckless and you're off. Yeah. And it's also like you can say that, and you can rightly say that, you know, it's very easy to fuck up and to hit something that you're not meant to hit with. But that's where they have to, you know, and that's where World Rugby wants them to take that potential element of recklessness and mistake right. out of it and and not go, oh, well, there's a 30, you know, a 10% chance that if I run in this direction at this speed, at this angle, then I'm going to fucking smash this bloke in the head. Oh, well. Yeah. It's, you know, World Rugby wants people to go, oh, well, there's a 10% chance that that will happen. And if I do, I will get sent off. So instead, so I, won't I will do it. Yes, I will adjust my angle to air to make it a zero percent chance, and therefore there's a slight, also a ten percent chance that that might go badly for my team. But I think I'm not basically the end game, whether we like it or not, and I'm not sure I dislike it that much either. Really, the end game is passive tackling. Yeah. The end game is getting people back to ring of steel style, hit people yeah. on the side. Like you were coached yeah. back in the day as a kid. Yeah. You come yeah. in with your head behind their arse yeah. and you get your ring of steel going and you drop them that way. And that's really, I think, what they're trying to get everything back to. And I suppose it'll never go completely back to that. But there's a point at which I imagine some defensive coaches are going to say, I'm sick of the penalties, I'm sick of having cards. Let's adjust yeah. the way we do things. It, 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 yeah. If it's successful, people will start doing it. It's as simple as that, really. Exactly. And if somebody can work out and, you know, defensive coaches are very clever. That's partly why rugby has struggled with its attacking problem for the last and it's had to change its rules so dramatically over the last 10 years is that defensive coaches are fucking better than attacking coaches. It's easier to defend. It is a simple thing to work out. Yeah. And and defensive coaches will work out ways to change the way that their players tackle to minimise penalties and cards while at the still time still being effective. And there might be a bit of an awkward sort of transition period, but it will happen. And it'll only take one team to do it. And then all of a sudden everyone will do it. Like the blitz. You know? Where like is? the like the choke tackle. It's just you know, these things catch on incredibly quickly when they happen. But hmm. for the the World Rugby needs to start fucking taking it seriously in citing commission. Like I don't know. Gus Pichot basically said on Twitter <coughs> today, for me, that's a red card. Um, now pass me which, that second declare. Yeah, now pass me that second declare and get fucking Gosper in here immediately. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether World Rugby are going to get involved as they can do or whether we'll get another erg um, or whatever the hell that thing was called. <laughs> I love that you've got that queued up. Excellent. <laughs> on the soundboard. Nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, so knows? let's leave that. We've gone on for ages. Yeah, yeah uh, too that, long. That was Ireland, was it? Ireland, Australia. And with a bit of Aust- and with a bit of New Zealand. Also, um, yeah, do we need to really talk about New Zealand, France? It was a fucking... It was competitive for 40 minutes and then it was an absolute humping. Here's some interesting um, stats from that game. Yeah. New Zealand ran 615 metres. Yeah. In total. France ran 243. It's not great, is it? No. Uh, possession <laughs> was 66-34. Territory, 69-31. Interestingly, France had a better tackle completion rate. 
That's because they were New just Zealand. doing a lot more of it. They literally made twice the tackles, 118 tackles to New Zealand, 69, pretty much. Yeah. Twice the tackles. But yeah, and then, of course, Maxime Medard's baffling effort to tackle. Bad. Now, you talk about people who can't tackle normally anymore. If he'd mm. have done the Ring of Steel head to behind the arse, he would have he'd dropped be him touch. before the line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead... For reasons that I, a bit like Elliot Daly, I don't know what you took. Why did you run <laughs> round the front of him? He just ran and sort of and then, basically just, please, Mike, cap me, please. <laughs> and then he tried to gently put his arm around and just say, come on, mate, we've all had a drink. And then just, yeah. Yeah. How bad was Aaron Smith's haircut in direct proportion to how good Aaron Smith was? I'll tell you what, though, isn't he a shit house, Aaron Smith, though? Absolutely. But I, interestingly, I know it feels like I had a very exciting time in Penarth, but I saw a man on Penarth Pier with that exact haircut yesterday. Respect. I also and like Ardy Surveyor. Aaron's yeah. up the, up, he's up the yeah. ante here. So what can yeah, I do? That's... Headband. Yeah. I, I'm fully in support of that. Make it an every week event. <laughs> but yeah, Aaron Smith, unbelievable shithouse. Unbelievably good scrum off. Bone and Barris, not bad either. I will not rest until everybody who plays rugby for the All Blacks basically has hair and looks and dresses like Alan Iverson. Yeah, I'm all over that. Same fashions, I'd like everything. I'd like, a bit, I'd like to throw a few Dennis Rodmans in there, if I'm totally honest. That'd but, be beautiful, wouldn't it? Well, uh, we can dream. All um, the bad boys of the NBA look. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, that was yeah. Talk? That that leaves us. That. Should we talk, do you want to talk about Wales now? Do you find yeah, you find you find you got nothing to say after such a competent? I and kind comfortable of win? haven't really. Like one of the things that I is that Wales should honestly consider trading one of their open side flankers to England for a couple of decent tight heads. Because <laughs> as much as Tom Curry put in a decent performance, like the fact that English pundits were like creaming themselves over a seven that had almost no impact on the breakdown whatsoever shows just how bad things are. Yeah. Whereas Wales started their fifth choice open side flanker against Argentina on Saturday night. He, he won three right, two. He? he looked yeah, alright. Three didn't two he? and scored a try, made seventeen tackles, and was man of the match. Boom, easy second appearance as well. Whatever. Um, yeah, and I take it for a couple of England's sort of third or fourth choice tight heads <laughs> that you know, I take it. Let's make it happen. I mean, let's give him. Let's give him one of the ones we don't. Let's give him Ollie Griffiths. You know, he's really good. <laughs> He's got massive arms. He's gonna be. He's probably gonna be really good, but he's like seventeen millionth choice <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, we'll throw in Dan Lydia as well. Um, speaking of which, actually, I genuinely don't know how Gatlin picks his flankers for the Rugby World Cup next year. It is a worry, isn't it? Well, it's well, not a said, worry for him. I imagine he's probably quite happy with whoever he'll take. Problem, but, that, yeah. but he said he's only going to maybe be able to take five flankers to Japan next year. I'm presuming that three nailed on are probably Warburton, Tipperich, and Moriarty. Yeah. Like, who out of Ellis Jenkins, Josh Navidi, Aaron Shingler, James Davis, Ollie Griffiths, and Dan Lydiot do you leave behind? I'm assuming Ellis Jenkins goes because of this whole, you know, uh, succession Being... planning into captaincy thing. I would imagine so. But then, who do you, do you then not take Aaron Shingler? Mm. Do you not take Josh Navidi? Do you not take... I mean, after the weekend, do you not take James Davis? Like He doesn't like fun. James Davis. I think he won't take him anyway. <laughs> no, we we would take him, but he, he won't. He'll he'd love like. an excuse not to take him. <laughs> yeah. but if he... You know... But it was just so... It was just so 
horribly proficient, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. They looked like old whales. They looked like 2012 era whales, when like they were at their best under Gatland. I think that 2012 Grand Slam season. Mm. Like they weren't the most free flowing team, but when they had a chance on attack, they took it, and they were fucking relentless in defence. Like. That's what Wales looked like on Saturday night. They had three chances to score in the Argentine 22 and they scored two of them. And the rest of the game, they made 93% of their 200-odd tackles. Like, Amazing. They won, they won that game incredibly comfortably despite having like 30% t- territory and 30% possession. Which says something for their defence. Also says something for the fact that it wasn't a great day for Argentina, was it? <clears throat> oh, they were shockingly bad. They literally were like... They looked like they'd expected to rock up there and just smash that Wales pack into a fine paste. And then after about 10 minutes, when it became clear that the opposite was happening and the Wales players were flying out of the line like rockets and stopping everything behind the gain line, they just didn't have another thought of what to do. There was no plan B. And, like, I don't understand how a team that, has players in it who've been as mad as the Haguares have been mad over the last couple of years. Why they didn't just go, lads, should we just chuck it about like lunatics again and see what happens? Because if they'd have done that, they might have won that game. Because I as much as organised as that Welsh team was, no defence can really hmm. cope with extended periods of having insanity inflicted upon them. Because you can't legislate for it. And yeah, they it's- just were so... It's clear the Hadley Parks effect, though, isn't it? He's just bringing this calm proficiency across the whole thing. He's got, like, nine caps, and he plays like a man who's got 99 caps. Yeah, everything about him just says, lads, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And everyone believes him, without him even saying it. I know the All Blacks are a different gravy, but, like, the fact that they just wouldn't... That he wasn't even playing super rugby... And yeah, like, are you telling me that he wouldn't do a job at twelve for the All Blacks and be really good? Well, he's very like, Ryan Crotty esque. He's incredibly Ryan Crotty esque, actually. Thinking about it, and the, yeah, in he, the same way, he's big, he's physical, and he doesn't make many mistakes. Yeah, does everything right, makes the yeah. right decisions. All has all the skills that you need without it being too flashy. Can pass yeah. short and long, can kick, defends well. Yeah. Good decision and maker. Ne- never does anything like. Not even 2% more than what it needs to be. And the All Blacks, and all that, the great All Blacks teams, I think of this at the weekend, have always had that player, haven't they? Yeah. They've got Crotty now. They had yeah. Dan Carter before he moved to 10. Yeah. They had, um, they had Conrad Ronald Smith for years. Not yeah. even at 12 either, but they always had yeah. this one set. Bunt, Frank Bunce was a physical yeah. lad, but brilliant decision maker. Brilliant defender, you know. Yeah. And, you know, Nonu as well at 12. He did yeah. not make, you know, yeah, he might not have been a great kicker until his later years but he just he did the obvious thing he did the straightforward thing yeah. you know and the times when the all blacks have been not their best is where you know like the periods where they had like luke McAllister at 12 because luke McAllister is a a fucking box of fireworks waiting to be left unattended and yeah they kind of need that stable sort of reassuring presence at mm. 12 and thankfully they've given one to wales now so thank you very <laughs> fucking much well done yeah so yeah. i was sat there i'd come in from watching solos i'd recorded the first half nice and i was watching it just going this is just really really odd 
Yeah. And I was like, I, I've got nothing to tweet. I no, don't I don't know I, what to say about this. It's just yeah. I mean, I was so devoid of any kind of snarky slash angry yeah. things to tweet. I was ended up tweeting about why one of the medics in the crowd was wearing a fucking head torch and a <laughs> and a, a caving helmet. Which I still don't understand, by the He's way. He's off to rescue um, some Chilean miners immediately afterwards. <laughs> exactly. That was. Uh, he was worried that there were, a fault would appear in the middle of the pitch <laughs> and some players might get stuck down there. But yeah, long um, may it continue, I suppose, from your point of view. Yeah, but... it was just there. Yeah, the defence was... Like, Warren Gatlin needs to chuck Sean Edwards' phone into the fucking Argentine Sea immediately. <laughs> because he said, he said, you know, oh, I won't stand in the way of him. Stand in the fucking way of him. Like, well, I'll stand in the way of him. I'll run him over. Yeah, like the, he doesn't sound massively confident that Edwards is still going to be there in a year's time. But the way that Wales, you know, Sean Edwards has been the best defence coach in the world over the last ten years. Andy Farrell probably is that now. But there are very few better in the world at coaching teams to defend with that organization the discipline and the just fucking manic intensity like when that that big goal line stand in the first half that um wales ultimately won a turnover off mm. after about 17 million about three line out drives and about seventeen thousand phases on their own line and part of it was just fucking hell argentina have run out of ideas here but it was just morale sapping. You could mm. see every... And there were moments where it was just like, oh, here it goes. And somehow, a Wales player not only got a body in front of it, but they sort of... It looked like all the player had to do was fall over over the line, and it was a try. And it was just that classic Edwards, no, I'm going to somehow contort your body so that you, instead of going forwards, end up going at a strange 45-degree <laughs> angle and end up back on the wrong side. And... He does that so well, and he coaches that so well. And Wales will, like, I'm sure Wales will get a good defensive coach if he goes, but I'd be surprised if they get one as good as Edwards. He's, he's, getting, a big, he's getting a bigger job next, isn't he? <coughs> That's he's what back, I think. Well, he's been a head coach before as well, remember? So yeah, he's, he's been a head coach. coach. He's won everything as a head coach domestically. He's yeah. then gone and done this assistant job with the Lions, with Wales. There's yeah. no way he's not looking for an international job next. Yeah, yeah. and that's why I, I genuinely hope that if England come calling, he just goes to be defence coach. His response is, yeah, no. I've kind of doing that already, to be honest. And I mean, he's also working with both the Ospreys and the Dragons next year on their defence, which seems mad, by the way. But <clears throat> it's not, because how do you do that? I suppose it's a Team Wales thing, is it? For saying actually, it is definitely a Team Wales thing, but it's like, it is, a bit <laughs> is, odd, he isn't gonna, it? is he going to analyse like the? How Ospreys do you feel about somebody telling another team how your team defends as an Osprey yeah. fan? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a little bit weird, but you know, such is the stupidity of Welsh rugby. The greater good. Yes, indeed. Um, Are we done? So yeah, it was. In, well, should we brief Scotland? Yes. We, people got narky last week that we didn't cover Scotland. No, but fucking hell, lads and lasses, what is there to analyse about you working your way down the Americas playing massively inferior teams mm. that offer little to no challenge? Like, when the time comes to play Argentina, we'll have a lot to discuss, but do not expect me to devote a lot of airtime to On you the highlights that I watched, it seemed to go yeah. okay. It was fine. They, they, to be honest with you, I was a little bit underwhelmed because they didn't really seem to be doing the razzle-dazzle. 
it was let's have a rolling ball and just batter them. But what do you expect with Which, Rory Jackson at ten? We've got somebody with actual very, sanity. Very good point. Um, I did enjoy that's being said. Uh, Lewis Carmichael, the Debbie's and tight head, cantering in from outside the twenty-two, <laughs> yes. proving once and again that props run better lines than centres these days. Did um? So yeah, there we go. Scotland, oh, that, you won. Well did, done, job done. I didn't notice because I wasn't because I, I hadn't noticed, but Aaron Wainwright did get on, didn't he, at the weekend? Therefore, he his, did. His thank nightmare of never that. getting a cap. Yeah. Is, when he came on, I was just like, oh, thank fuck. He's he's got his cap. No one can ever take that away from him. He played very. He made like seventeen tackles in twenty minutes or something absurd as well. Make it up. He was. I'll <clears> tell you what. Last week, bit of trivia. Mm. Uh, What's his face? Uh, Seb Davis. Yeah. Great white hope of Welsh second rows being played in the back row for some reason. Mm. Um, he was on the pitch for 60 minutes and, you know, he made like 15, 16 tackles, but he had zero carries and zero passes in his entire time on the field. <laughs> he did not. He did not. Once touched the ball in an offensive capacity. He was basically an offensive tackle. He rugby. was basically <laughs> hitting hitting rocks like a motherfucker and making sure that by the time the ball got away, he was sort of just trotting what back around. What position do you ready. play, Seb? Left tackle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, shall we move yeah. on to shit good? Because we've been banging on for ages. Yeah, we really have. Um, good. Go. La Marpe. Yeah. Lamar paid he defies belief and logic. He's five foot seven. I like that. And he runs like Jonah Lomu and tackles. I don't care how ripped you are. You shouldn't be able to physically dominate men that are like a foot taller than you the way that he does as a five foot seven man. But he's like a ball of razors. He's incredible. I love watching him. So what I thought was good this weekend. People being walked ten is back. Yes. On two occasions people got walked ten for gobbing off. Get in. More like of this. Got a quiet word gone. You know what? This is getting out of hand now. It's More of this sort of thing. Yeah, make it happen. Um, good for me, Johnny May. Honestly, <laughs> you said about the things he wasn't good at earlier. Well, that's but, kind of my thing. But yeah, go on. Honestly, he's been. He was excellent on Saturday when he was on the wing, and the way that he put players in space quite a few times was really good. And his defence was very good. If you don't play him at fullback, you know, it tends. To, and he's gone very well all season in a very average England, you know, in a in a really down year He went year to Leicester and just changed who he was. Yeah. <clears throat> but stopped, but carried on just scoring like a motherfucker. Mm. And has scored really consistently for England this year. You know, he's in, a, in an England team that has struggled to score tries. He's been the one scoring them. Yeah. As long as you stay on the touchline, no problem. Yeah. He is very good at what he does. And just don't ask him to do anything else. For the love of God, please. What else was good? James Ryan's turnover. Oh. <laughs> he basically put that bloke on his arse and just ripped yeah. the ball off him and ran yeah. off. I will have it off you. To be honest with you, both the Irish locks in a losing cause were really fucking good on the weekend, I thought. Yeah. Like, James Ryan, that was probably one of the best games I've seen James Ryan play, if not the best. And that same summit. And he lost, and he didn't deserve that, to be honest with you. James well, Ryan never deserves to lose. What have we got that's good from Twitter? Barbed Quill got in touch on Twitter out of blood and mud and said, Shields is lying in midfield to fix the defender, give him made of space to score the last England try. Rarely seen mm. from a Northern Hemisphere back, let alone a forward. True. The box were fucking knackered, mind. They were. But even so, 
yeah, it was a lo- it was a very nice try that to be honest, and one of those tries where you assume that something must have happened because it was so easy. <laughs> it was like, yes. who's taken somebody out in midfield there? Something skullduggerous has happened because it can't be that easy. It turns out it was just that easy. Patrick um, got in touch on Twitter and he said, good is the ridiculous, like you've already mentioned this, is the ridiculous level of back row depth that Wales have at the moment. Correct. Mm-hmm. Jamie Phillips, long-suffering Dragons fan, but with something to be cheerful about this week, he says that good yes. is Ross Moriarty. Back to his best after a tricky season, carried well, put in a huge defensive shift, 26 tackles. It was also the most tackles made by any player in a match involving a tier one side last weekend. Niche funneled statistics. I tell you what, though, Ross Moriarty hadn't played 80 minutes in a rugby match since that back injury for the Lions until he played 80 minutes for Wales last week, which A, shows that Gloucester have hated having him this season and have kind of been proving a point. And also, fucking hell, he's good. Like, you know he what? Is back, he's back to proper bastard Ross. And also, all... there's the bastard thing and the physical thing. Yeah. But people forget, I think two occasions he popped up outside the... the 13 channel yeah. with his hands. What a rugby player he is. He's what such a, a good fucking player rugby is. player. And we can all laugh about how he loves to fucking have a fight, which he does, which and we he adore him does. for. Which yeah. we fucking love him for. But actually... And I remember when I was singing his praises after his early, I wrote a column about it when I was writing for Rugby Path, and somebody mm. came and said, oh, he's just, he's, you know, red rag to a bull with me, you know. He said, yeah. he's just Haskell, isn't he? I was like, fuck off. Yeah. Yes, all right, when... he's physical, but I'm telling you, he yeah. is an infinitely better actual yeah. footballer. Yeah, how many tries has James Haskell run in by appearing on the shoulder of somebody that's made a fucking clean break? None. He's just None really ever. comfortable with a ball in his hands. He is a proper or like he is a fantastic rugby player, but he's also a fucking hard psychotic lunatic <laughs> who Boom who is thoroughly invested in maintaining his family's reputation. I love which that. Which is is something else that I love. I love that, yeah. Yeah. He's just he's, he's just fully aware post that pictures both... on Twitter of his dad having fights. Yeah. And stuff. Going, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I'm gonna do. Like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. It's like Ross, 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 Ross. That was the eighties, mate. I love it. He must go home. Must he, to, he must go like home to his dad at weekends for Sunday dinner and stuff. You know, scored two tries in the week, Dad. How many fights you have? None. Yeah. Not interested. Not interested. <laughs> Don't care. What else have we got? Go and, ask your, go and ask your uncle about getting into fucking fights, right? <laughs> oh, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, we've had loads of good on Twitter this week. We're in really good mood, you lot. Um, yeah. Jay Wood got in touch. Said good was Dwayne Vermeulen playing like he stepped out of a Game of oh. Thrones battle scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yes. It kind of makes you think if Razia Erasmus's predecessors had been able to pick overseas players like Dwayne Vermeulen, um, would they still be in jobs? Would Peter de Villiers still be a, a long running joke, basically? Yeah, because like you look at Vermeulen's a fucking monster, and he's exactly the kind of monster that they haven't had for a couple of years. And oh, well, he was just in France all along. There he is, fine. Bob it's that live. Back. It's accept the reality thing, isn't it? They're all going to yeah. leave anyway. So yeah, why do you keep made people, with England? You see, I think if them. if all of England's first choice players fucked off to France next week, the RFU yeah. would have no choice but to change the rule. Yeah, it was like when twenty when twenty twenty cricket came in, they had to change yeah. the international calendar to accommodate yeah. it because people went, were oh, going to go and play it anyway. Yeah. Oh, you're not playing in the IPL. Yeah, we are. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And actually, England are managing to hold it because people will stay in the country. 
South Africa have actually accepted the fact that, look, you can either be shit as an international team because it's not stopping them. This rule no. is not stopping them. No. So, and they're going younger and younger as a result. Yes. So, so, yeah, why so not? you know, accept the reality. Do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Yeah. Good anyway. for me. Yeah. Uh, Bowden Barrett. Boring, but fucking hell. Neil Finn from Crowded House. Yeah. But he runs better support lines than like any 10 I think I've ever seen. He's always there. Mm. Like, he's always on the shoulder. And that's kind of an all-black thing anyway, but particularly him, because he's got so much pace. He's just always there to be the fucking dickhead that turns up on the shoulder and flies over the line after somebody else think, has done the hard work. Speaking of on the shoulder, Murray Kinsella put a video on Twitter last week. You see it, where he, was show, he, he analysed some of Ashton's runs in the Barbarians. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many times he starts his runs in front of play. Really? He doesn't, he doesn't even try and get behind the ball. If there's two people and he's ahead of them, he's, he just starts running and knows they're going to come past him and that he'll be in the perfect position as it comes to the fact that the, the, the denouement of the move. That's yeah. the, and, and you know what? Mike Brown do that, is he? It's kind of uncoachable that as well because no, nobody you coaches can't. you to stand in front of yeah. the ball. You know, he just goes, "No, I'm going to actually, I'm going to start, I'm going to start ten meters in front and just cut this angle because I know that actually, I can see yeah. in my mind where this is going to go." Yeah, you can stamp your feet and say, "Mark Brown's a fucking test winger, mate," <laughs> as much as you fucking want. <laughs> yes, you can. You can do that. Yeah. You can do that, but you can't fucking teach what Chris Ashton knows as yeah. on pure instinct and. Yeah, like. What else speaking of which, Cody Taylor, fucking hell. Where, yeah. where in New Zealand, finding these ridiculously dynamic, exciting hookers with terrible haircuts? I don't understand. Hard as nails, as well. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Not just a flash fucker either. A proper monster of a man. Oh, so we got this good. Rhiannon Garth Jones got in touch on Twitter. Hello, Rhiannon. She said, "At blood and mud." She said. Uh, yeah, Scott Britt's being called up by the box is very, very good and also quite funny. It is funny because he's he's not probably not going to play. No. But he's just been called up to, for him to go, so all these Saracens lads, yeah? Tell us their weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maruitoji buys a fucking dummy. <laughs> um, yeah. But only the yeah, tiniest of dummies. Anything too obvious yeah, is too cla- yeah. He's too classy yeah. to fall for that. You have to. You you know. be, you've got to really work on those twitch muscles to make it just <laughs> the slightest little. Yeah. Else we got here. David Tweediatrics going to touch on Twitter. He said, "Good was the Welsh rugby history pod on, on Patreon." Thank you. I didn't pay yeah. him to do that either. He just said that. If you want to get your hands on it, then you're going to go sign up at Patreon.com/slash/bloodandmud. Also, that's where we'll be putting our summer stuff as well. We don't know what it is yes. yet, but that's where we'll be going. We haven't decided what things are, but there will be summer stuff. Right, so you move so, on to shit because this has been going on for what feels like about a week. Yes, it does, and it's really hot, So, and I'm <laughs> slightly melting. Um, tell you what was shit, and this brings me no pleasure. Shit was friend of the podcast, Robbie Henshaw. No, he wasn't good, was he? He's not played a lot of 13 this year, and boy, did it show. Like, on attack, he didn't do that thing that... 13s, good 13s do, where he zips the ball out from the 13 channel and puts mm. people in space. He just kind of laboured with it and fucking hell on defence, man. Like, the way that... When you're playing 12, you can shoot out of the line like a madman because there's someone outside yeah. him to cover if you don't get there. But he was doing that as the Lots last... Of 13s, fucking... The best of teams do shoot out the line and cut it off, yeah. but he was just uh, not quite pulling he it off. He was just doing it? it in a sort of 12 kind of way, where it's like, <laughs> oh, well, 
I'm just going to fucking go for it all the time. And if I miss it, there's a guy out. There's no guy outside you, Robbie. He's there's nobody there. And he is sometimes he got the big hit on because he's a good defender and mm. a big lad. But that, you know, the first try shot out of the line and then everybody else is lost at sea. And then Bernard Foley scores, you know, he needs to be back at 12 ASAP and they need Gary Ringrose back. Ringrose will make a massive difference when he's back. Um, Huge difference. Shit for me is fucking Mark Robson, man. Oh, Did you hear him geez. on Sky on Saturday? You might not have done it. You were in Penarth or whatever, but... Uh, Oh, oh, I was on I did hear him. I wish I hadn't. It is just like, why are you still talk? Why are you talking all the time? The whole point of a visual medium <laughs> is that you don't have to fucking talk all the time. People always talk about Richie Bennell, the cricket commentator, don't they? And say, what was amazing about Richie, right, is the way that he used silence. And then no fucker mm. ever uses silence ever since. And Robson in particular, just it's just absolute waffle and bollocks all the time <laughs> what did he call fucking flower at one point the king of the airways because he jumped off the ball and there's oh. the king of the airways as we all follow fuck off and it's just like I mean, this I wall have, of noise say, constantly yeah. as much as i find him personally distasteful fuck me israel flout was oh, incredibly such good in the air such a good fucking rugby player the way that they just it seemed like the irish tactic was let's kick to israel flout a lot <laughs> which seems like one of the stupidest tactics that anyone has ever done because he was, I, I mean, I also enjoyed the uh, rainbow flag with his face on it, but uh, it was good. And uh, the, Jacob really Stockdale's tackle, by the way, so we forgot to mention that was a, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a sort of polar opposite at the end of the spectrum to Madard's effort. Yeah. That was, a, yeah, that, that was full effort. I mean, to be fair, was... Madard must be at least 70 by now. Yeah. So he did well. Easy. In, in contrast to what you said earlier, going to Twitter, uh, Knee Deep 19 on Twitter said, uh, shit, Yeah. he says, good, a solid win by a very youthful Scotland side. Um, shit, Chris Harris. The highlight being his attempted scrum put-in. Yes, it happens. It makes me <laughs> want to see donate... I that a, bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it made me want to donate a pound a month to stop this selection from happening again. He he's well. also said shit... The uh, the Keith Russell affair at the SIU as well, which I've been sort of vaguely I'm following. I'm vaguely aware, but not read it. But it's something, isn't no. it? Is it something Basically, dodgy Finn Russell's, going on? Finn Russell's dad got sacked, who was uh, very well regarded as a uh, um, as a administrator in Scottish rugby. Got uh, got sacked, uh, like I think maybe like last year or something, something yeah. like that. Anyway, it basically appears to have transpired that Mark Dodson, the uh, chief executive of the SIU, kind of sacked him just because he didn't like his faith, really, it seems. Um, and kind of, and has won, it's gone to court. And the uh, let's be honest, ju- we've all been there. You just can't do yeah. it, though, you know. Yeah, and the judge has basically kind of poured a lot of scorn onto the way that... Um, the SIU runs itself and that it's a basically a bit of a dictatorship. The judges were supposed to be saying, what kind of cockamamie show are you running at the SIU? Basically, yeah. You know, they're, they're saying it's, it's being run like a dictatorship. They're saying that, you know, everything is kind of being done without any real oversight from, from the board of the SIU. It's kind of come out of nowhere because, to be honest, the, US, the SIU looks like a really fucking well-run organisation from the mm. outside. And it's kind of said that, you know, they're basically, it's basically being run like a fucking little banana republic up there. So, 
it's it's a bit worrying, and it'd be interesting to see what comes of that. And you got to wonder if this whole thing, given that it's Finn Russell's dad, how much of a part did that play in him buggering off to Rassi Metro this year? You have year to do well? think about that, don't Rassi you? Like to do, yeah. Get yourself out of here, lad. Because it's yeah, it's it, the whole thing, you know. And I, I don't pretend to be an expert on it, but the whole thing just looks very unfortunate for Scottish rugby at a time when everything seems to be going so well and then it's nonsense that's got nothing to do with the players or what what's on the What needs to happen is that the SRU need to order a long and wide-ranging investigation, the result of yeah. which will see Rob Andrew being promoted somehow <laughs> in the SRU. He is available, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, he he'll end up being some elite position. Even if he isn't even interviewed or involved in it, that's what will happen. I tell you who else is, is available. Andy bloody Robinson is available. So, you know, just a thought. <laughs> oh, Andy, nice. he's such a dreadful rugby coach, isn't he? <laughs> uh, what else we got this let, shit? Will W Will W got in touch on Twitter. At, he's at King of Largo. He got in touch with that at Blood and Mud. He said, shit, was John Beatty Sr.'s commentary on Adam Hastings. Did you know who his dad is? I wonder if he'll be watching. Actually referred to him as Gavin at one point and kept oh, telling everyone where he was standing on the pitch like a pensioner pointing out a prize garden gnome. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is a bit uh, rubbish. I like. I actually like John Beatty when he's doing I, interviews I and stuff. John but um, I, I don't I also, find his commentary very good, but yeah. I also deeply enjoyed Eddie Butler calling Scott Williams Scott Gibbs at one moment as if he'd suddenly stroked and like... Had lost the entire last twenty as, years. As somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, I can't remember who. I'm sorry. He was going full South American pronunciation of Spanish. Oh, word. massively so. So, so Montoya became Montoya. Oi, Montoya, yeah. and also, and he kept going, and he kept and he kept really giving it loads on De La Fuente. It was it was hilarious. Yeah. The book was a De La Fuente. <laughs> Eddie, the reason that Eddie Butler took this job from with Channel 4 was not for the travel. It was because he would have the opportunity to, for two consecutive weeks, pronounce continental names in a silly way. <laughs> and Johnny goes in the commentary box for a few minutes. Is Ken Owens, you all right, Ken? All right. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed good, Ken actually. being the most nakedly one-eyed co-commentator <laughs> I've ever seen. Where everything Argentina did, it was just like, well, it's a bit shit, isn't it, really? I mean... <laughs> Also, oh, what's that? wrong with the acoustics with those commentators? I know they're not actually at the ground, are so they? But are they? I don't know, but it's just... I'm not, you know, and also, but where are they? Have they basically just forced Ken Owens to come to a little fucking room in, like, Twickenham or something? I think or, so. you know, they're, Richard, they're obviously in a bunker London. somewhere, aren't they? Yeah, wherever the fuck Channel 4 is. <laughs> but it was just... Speaking it was very of, um, silly. one-eyed co-commentators, Owen Glendale got in touch on Twitter and said that good was Ugo Monnier's Twitter for going full-on whoop-whoop Harlequins when, <laughs> when Mike Brown trundled over from three yards as if he was the second coming of Jason Robinson. He said then shit was Ugo Monnier for then completely ignoring the remaining 20, uh, 78 minutes of Mike Brown, whoop-whoop Harlequins, wing performance, where he looks as capable and interested as Eddie Jones in a personality counselling session. Excellent <laughs> rant, Owen, I like that. Oh, oh I've you know after what? Well, we bring now this. Unless you've got something else, we bring this four-hour um, podcast to an end. <laughs> yes, my last shit was just going to be Wales fans, right? Particularly, well, not Why? all Wales fans, 
but a certain subset of sort of parochial moaning keyboard oh, warriors right. yeah, 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 yeah. just can't even enjoy one of Wales's most professional performances that they've put in in years because they don't like Rob Howley or they don't like that Warren Gatland picks players like Sam Warburton and Justin Tipperick sometimes. Uh, if, you, if you're finding yourself griping about something after Saturday, have a fucking word with yourself. You know what made me laugh just to myself? Was yeah. at the end of the game, Rob Howley stood up and he had a T-shirt, an Under Armour T-shirt on with Welsh rugby and massive letters on the front of it. Yes. And I thought, if you'd imagine if he turned around and he said, buy a large is going terribly on the back. That, that would be... <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's never going to happen. But in my own mind, I had a little giggle yeah. to myself. Well, why don't we make our <laughs> buy and large it's going terribly t-shirts a specific Welsh rugby one? In fact, I have actually already made one of those. You just haven't never made them for sale. I know you, oh, you, yeah. you've said you spent loads of the time doing the, the graphic. Yeah, I spent. Completely... I spent good. I spent a good morning at work doing those. <laughs> oh, and a big shout out to Phil Jones actually, who again, who's also he's in the Alan Brew Lounge, but he's also uh, he was at Download this weekend with one I of our t-shirts on. Good man. I profoundly enjoyed that. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Always send us that kind of thing, by the way. <laughs> yes. Places, you know, anyway. We really have to bring this to an end because that's oh, gone on we for do. fucking oh, ages. Shit. <laughs> we apologise. If you've lasted till the end, give us a shout out. Yeah. Speak there to will you be all no next week when we'll try and edit ourselves, but we can't promise anything. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Take care. Tell that. However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits, style with benefits, sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports at LifestyleSports.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.